Boom shakalaka. What's up, Mike? What up? Okay, so um trying to think because we didn't get the podcast as recently as we would have liked to. So last time we talked, your training was different, and now things are changing with your training. And this time I've been I've been recovering from sickness. So, but I want to kind of update on what we're doing right now first, and then we'll then we'll get into our topic for the day. Okay. Do you want to talk about your uh, recovery from sickness and working out with sickness? Okay. Okay. So, I'm uh, pretty sure I had the norovirus, like I said earlier, and it was pretty darn tiring for the first, I would say, like 24 to 48 hours. Where, yeah, it was, it was no fun. It was just, it was just everything everywhere all at once. Well, were you training or stressed or anything before those 24 or 48 hours? You know, the way I think I got it is, um, is from Ari's birthday party this past weekend. So we had so many people over Yeah, and I remember thinking during the party that I was like, man, I don't get to see a lot of these people that much. I want to try and like say hi to everyone, which basically means I want to try and expose myself to as many pathogens as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, that's how we think now. Yeah, I know. I know. So, um, jazz being her introverted self, she stayed in like one area of the house most of the time. And that was pretty much with like family members and Ari, he can't get around very much anyhow. Right. Right. And, Zena, Zena was outside a lot. So of the three of us who were most likely to be exposed the most was I. Yeah, and you then, were going around, talking to people, chatting yeah. everyone up. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly, which is my MO. So. Right. So at first I was a little worried, though, because, um, like, it's funny because I wasn't thinking this at first, but Jazz is the one who thinks of these things a little bit more. And she was like, maybe you got E. coli because you were shoveling, um, I was shoveling um, composted manure for our garden. Oh, yeah, right. <clears throat> like little bacteria, like some bacteria or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I was pretty, I was pretty good about washing my hands, using gloves and all that with that. And, and it was composted and... Like you gotta, you gotta do a couple things wrong in a row. I feel like for that to really get into your system, right. versus versus the likelihood that it was the norovirus when I contracted it. That I started having symptoms around the time you would have symptoms, like yes, from an event or something like that. So, right. Yeah. So, so the first twenty four or forty eight hours, you're pretty tired. Did you work out or anything like that? Like you said, you were out of it. Like so, you didn't. No, do I was anything. totally. I was totally like. That first, the first, like when I was starting to get the symptoms, I wanted to puke, but I couldn't puke. I had yeah. diarrhea. Sorry if it's TMI. Um, and then I was just really tired and I wasn't hungry. And I just tried to kind of keep my water levels up because I knew if it was a stomach bug that I was going to lose a lot of fluids and whatnot. Right. So I'm just trying to keep my my fluids up, and then and then at some point I had one of those uh, like nausea sessions where I was like, "Oh my goodness, am I going to stop at some point?" And then yeah, and then I had a a large amount of nausea, and then it stopped for a little bit, and I was like, and I felt a little bit better, 
was like, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Because, like, I don't know what I, I think. I, I was seriously thinking about taking my electrolyte powder I had and just, like, just eating it dry, basically. Oh, man. Because, yeah, you don't get sick a lot, do you? Like, like No, no. That's sick. Like, where you no, I don't get that sick very often at all. Like, I'll get the sniffles here and there. Yeah. You know, my kids have the sniffles. Um, but a lot of times it could be just allergies. So it's hard to tell because I get allergies a little bit in the spring and a good bit in the summer every year. Right, right. But yeah, I don't get sick that often. So, but when I do get sick, it's like last year I got sick once and I think that was more like colon related, honestly. Okay. Like, um, I had some kind of colon issues and I took some medicine and then it seemed to clear up. Yeah. Um, but that kicked my butt for a little bit and... I was hoping, I was like, oh, no, not again. <laughs> and then as soon as I put it all together in my mind and the type of symptoms I was having, um, yeah, I don't, I rarely ever actually vomit. Like that's a big, that's a big telltale sign for me okay. most of the time. Okay. So when that was happening, I was like, all right, time to take it easy. Took it easy. Um, now I have a question about taking it, taking it easy real quick. Yeah. To to a lot of people, that means sitting in bed and literally doing nothing. Yeah. No. See, I don't think. Did you? Oh, did you literally sit in bed and do nothing, or like did like did you move around a little bit? Did so when you say zero working out? Did Mm -hmm. you do like some hip flexor stretches like while you were like while you're laying in bed and stuff? So that's zero working out for for you is a little bit different. So I want to point that out. Well, like. I know, like, after being in bed for a long time, like, not only am I going to feel like crap for because I'm in bed, but, like, my body and my back is going to start hurting, basically. Absolutely. You know? So, like, I can sit – if I can sit in a position that is also a stretch or I can change my position, like, sitting on – I basically sat on the ground a lot more than I would normally sit on the ground, you know? Okay. And put a lot of pillows around pillows around me, and every once in a while I would do a stretch, yeah, yeah, or something like that. You know, yeah, I would do, I, there was a lot of child's pose going on, right? Okay, a lot See? of child's pose going on. Yeah, I would say there was a lot of like um, feet elevated on the wall, hamstring stretch type work. So you you knew so you were sick you were done like for two days you were done and you were doing these little things because you knew that if you had forty eight hours on the bed or something like that your next forty eight hours after those forty eight hours are going to be terrible because you're going to be waking your body back up and I know my back hurts after after ten hours I need to I need to get out of bed yeah yeah no it's it's yeah and and it's not like i was like doing it to fatigue in any way and i wasn't trying to spend more energy doing it but you yeah being in different positions yeah that's that's a very good point i and i don't talk about this that much but being in different like resting positions even is really helpful for recovery post sickness so yeah and then and then probably about let's see by thursday So Monday is when the symptoms were the worst. Tuesday, I was still kind of recovering. And Wednesday, I basically took the workout that I've been doing, and I did it at like 30% of what I normally do. Yeah. You know, like a third of what I normally do in terms of like 
I did a I did a third of the amount of weight I normally do. I did a third amount of the sets that I normally do, and I did a third amount of the intensity that I normally do. And I probably wouldn't have been able been able to do that as much if I hadn't been um, changing my resting positions and staying really hydrated. I would say, like I took, I made sure. Oh, I got like Pedialyte and all that kind of stuff during. I took a lot of. I had a lot of miso soup. Make sure oh. my sodium levels were up there. Right. I took right. magnesium at nighttime. I took zinc at nighttime. Yeah. So you yeah. took care. You took care of yourself. You moved. You recovered, and you recovered yeah. as quick as possible from something that sounds terrible. Sorry, you went through that. That stinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was no. It was no fun. So I feel like I'd say my body feels probably like eighty percent. My mind probably feels about ninety-five percent right now. Okay. Okay. Well, not too bad considering Monday was yeah rough, super rough. All right. Good. So, yeah. So that was my week, and uh, and then I'm pretty much gonna slowly ramp back up into my previous routine. Um, I'm, I'm probably gonna keep this routine for probably another month right now because um, until I move go to Arizona. Right. And then once I go to Arizona and I come back, I'll probably, that's probably, probably on the plane flight. I'll start thinking about how I'm going to uh, progress actually. Okay, cool. Anything interesting in your routine or, or not, or just like the same as it was a couple of weeks ago? Oh, pretty similar. I am. Um, I am using, he- I was until recently, I was getting back into the heavier kettlebells with it and feeling pretty good with, like, double kettlebells and doing some complexes with the kettlebells. Yeah, yeah. So I, I busted out the uh, the 53-pounder recently, and I was doing, like, single arm, basically like a swing press squat complex with the kettlebell. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So a kettlebell. little bit of weight, good movement. Awesome. Yep. You know, so, but now I'm probably, uh, I'm down, I'm down to the clubs right now. Cause I was, I was, I was pretty sore yesterday, uh, still from yeah. Wednesday, I would say, and, that, and doing just a tiny bit. And so, that's a super good indicator that your body is still recovering exactly. and you shouldn't push it too hard in your next workout. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep it low intensity for at least another workout or two, I would say. All right, cool. I like it. Yep. And then you've got a couple things that you're changing up right now, right? Yeah. So I was on like the fifth or sixth week of my last uh, like little phase or whatever I was going through with some sandbag training and stuff. So my new thing, uh, well, I'm taking a week to experiment with it and I've never done this before and I have a couple of reasons why, but I'll, I'll tell you the my whole plan real quick. So it's uh it's three days of just upper body um at minimalist. So it's uh it's a five by five and then a four by ten and then just switch those off those three days. Um okay. so an upper an upper five by five, lower four by ten, and then switch those. You're doing like an A B kind of format, like A B A and then next week's B A B. Uh, the, no, it's just going to be horizontal, vertical, and diagonal. I think, uh, and no, no, and I'm just going to keep it with those three, um, for the next six, six weeks or so, four to six weeks. I usually go like, I don't try and plan exact weeks. I just go to the point where my body stops like feeling good when I work out and then I change it. Um, and so that's kind of how I felt the past week. I, I keep all my data or my, the two weeks ago, I keep all my data 
And then I had a, a, a week where everything kind of was pretty weird, but I took some days off and it was like at the five week point of my workouts. And that's usually around when I need to change it. Um, and so I, I started doing that. But anyway, all right, the three upper body days and then I'm going to do three days. So this is a rant. This is an experiment. I don't know if it's smart. All right. So three days of wearing a 20 pound vest from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, and so I'll, I'll, let me get back to that in a second. And then the the last thing is going to be one to two days of of carries and sled pulls or, or yeah. just out my outdoor stuff, which is usually uh, has a variety of those type of things. Yeah. So the, I would say most of that you're used to. The thing that actually, yeah, caught my attention the most was the uh, the nine to five 20 pound vest. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to explain a little bit of my thoughts behind this. Yeah. What made you what made you think about that and. Well, so, so I've done vest work in the past, but that that was usually like for a workout and I would do like it with a TRX or something like that. And and I really like that training. But mm-hmm. recently I was reading a and of like a study from 2013 that I think kind of persuaded a lot of people's West uh, vest training opinions because. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically like if you go to the gym or whatever and you're talking to trainers a lot of trainers will be like like say like that got that's pointless to do like to walk around with a vest or whatever right and it's because of this study i think uh this the study was a 15 minute a 30 minute and 45 minute uh cardio session on a treadmill Uh for, for a set amount of time with a weight vest and, and essentially at the 45 minute you're only burning seven calories uh extra from, ah. from your normal weight right okay. so okay. 45 minutes that's not a, a a ton even over an eight hour period you know that's only 50 to 60 calories so that one are you talking about metrics that i don't that i don't think are very useful exactly yeah. so i i see something like that and i'm like and i hear i just remember talking to all of the trainers and and just like nobody likes the vest training all right so uh, so I'm like, I'm going to try it because to me, it's crazy. If I have 20 pounds extra on me and I'm, I'm walking up and down the stairs yesterday, I went to food lion. Uh, you know, I'm carrying my kid, I'm getting out of the car and all that kind of stuff. You now, started don't... this by the way. Yeah. Huh? When did you start? When did you I, start? So this is my first week of experimenting before I get the set plan, but I started three days ago. So I've done two nine to fives with the vest on with a 20 pound vest on. Okay. Um, and I kind of hide it, you know, like I put it under my, my sweatshirt. Yeah, under your jacket. I was thinking that too. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking I might try it out here and there. I'm not I'm not gonna completely commit, but I wanna I wanna know what it feels like, honestly. See, yeah. So the like uh joint hip joint uh kind of felt weird at the end of both days. Um and then also you feel like your walking pattern or your gait was uh affected probably affected but just think of the little like i'm playing with my kid all day so like if you bend over on one leg and like just kind of turn a little bit it's a different game man you have 20 pounds on your torso and stuff uh and feels so, like you uh feels like you're a fat kid all over again i'm guessing <laughs> well it's well you know that's kind of how i think about it like because i know whenever i'm at the heaviest that i am and i start busting out pull-ups by the time i'm 20 pounds lighter I'm going to be doing 10 pull-ups instead of five pull-ups. 
just from losing that weight. So Mm -hmm. like to me, the wearing the 20 pound vest, I don't think that like, it's going to be bad. Like, I don't see how it can be bad. Even the, I think, I don't know. I think like, um, here's the caveat. I think if you're a strength coach who used to weigh more and now weighs less. So you basically know how your body moves and you're familiar with, what it feels like to weigh more, you know, like you, you have accurate expectations, basically. I think it can be useful. I think it can be useful. It's hard for me to say how exactly. Yeah. You know, but I think it can be, I think, um, I don't know if I would trust like, uh, an average Joe, just like doing it all of a sudden, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely recommend it for people unless I knew more about them. But I think like in both of our situations, yeah, I think it could be pretty useful because, because I think you got to be a little bit more aware of your positions Mm -hmm. with it, you know, and you gotta, you gotta be kind of taking stock of things. The, the awareness was a a big point. (laughs) Uh, So I think the behavior of just wearing the vest kind of makes you move better in a sense that you are squatting better uh, if you, if you have to bend over to get the dishes or anything like that, I'm really thinking about my hinge and engaging my core. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting. And yes, yeah, so a good insight is that number one, uh, th- this is a completely an experiment. Uh, mm-hmm. like I took my body fat percentage and everything. I'm really trying to do it 9am to 5pm. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, I do not recommend this for people because I don't really think that, I don't know if it would be a benefit and right. An interesting insight from what you just said is that what about the opposite people? What about the people who didn't lose weight, but are maybe uh, have never gained that weight, right? So if they just threw 20 pounds extra on them, I I would bet that their knee joints and hip joints would probably be feeling it a lot after doing that for eight hours. I'd have some angry people at me if I made them like do this, for example. Right, right. Without so, much context or uh, guidance, I would say. Yeah, people get right. people. And, and I'm using another thing. I'm using that heavier day for a lot of my lower body stuff. So, and, you know, nothing deadlift, nothing crazy like that. But, you know, I'm doing lunges and uh, squats. Low, I'm really enjoying the low squat hold, like, uh, like with that extra weight. Uh, mm. it's, it's really getting a very good stretch in that, that deep squat position. Yeah. Uh, so I'm liking that a lot. Okay. Uh, but yeah, besides that, this is definitely an experiment. Uh, uh, my hopes are that, that I will be a little bit, um, more injury proof. Like that's kind of like one of my theories behind mm-hmm. it is that, uh, just adding that extra weight, I'll just, and, and doing my normal movements. Um, I'm hoping that, It'll just uh, it kind of strengthen up those stability muscles and things like that a little bit more. Um, and I th- I do believe that my general cardio, like not in the sense of like burning calories or anything like that, mm-hmm. but of so sense- like muscular endurance, maybe. Yeah, like because it was both days at about six hours, like. I was getting pretty tired uh, in my shoulders, actually, which I was surprised about, like kind of like rhomboids area. Yeah, I feel like because it's pushing down on that 
because the just the design of it of how it pushes down on those traps basically yeah. it's going to force you into the into the shoulders and the uh, upper back more my posture is great all day man yeah. you know you really think <laughs> about it the whole day yeah right <laughs> so so just behavior wise i think it's going to be great to do it for i'm only doing it for a month uh just to test it out uh, just behavior. I think it's going to be awesome, but we'll see the results. I'm hoping to see, To uh, I'm just interested. I'm not hoping for anything. I'm just, I want to see. Yeah. Curious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious too. So when you said, when you said that, I'm like, yay, guinea pig, I get to watch. <laughs> so yeah, That's I'm cool. excited, man. I, I, you know what I wonder? I wonder if, um, I feel like there's a, there's a guy or a person for every like exercise or, um, or like strategy nowadays on the internet, you know how there's like the knees over toes guy and there's like the Indian clubs guy and there's like the squat guys and the, and the deadlift guys. Like there's people who like that's their niche. Basically. I wonder if there's like a weighted vest or a weighted carry. I know there's, there's a loaded carry guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Does he just carry stuff everywhere? I don't know. I, I, well, I think I well when I, at least his Facebook feed looks like he does a lot of carries. Yeah, I, I think it's just like he incorporates carries into his programs nonstop. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, we should hang out because I love carrying the kettlebell around the neighborhood. People probably think I'm crazy. <laughs> have you seen that? Have you seen the Alpha Dad uh, videos at all? Have I sent you those? Yeah, I've seen a few of those. Yeah, where they like <laughs> walk around the neighborhood and do workouts in the, in the middle of the uh, middle of the yard, basically with a uh, with the you gotta have you gotta have the hat too. You gotta go shirtless and you gotta have the like the big uh, cowboy esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To start doing kettlebell swings in their driveway. Yeah, loudly. You have to do it loudly though. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh man awesome all right are we doing an episode today what are we talking about so the thing we were talking about earlier which i think would be a good topic was the strength training truths that are real world truths all right so the reason i really like this topic is because i want to talk about it way too much in my strength training sessions with my clients Okay. If that makes sense. Like it's one of those things where I'm just like trying not to inundate them with information too much. So I hold back on talking about it. Right. You know, but it always amazes me how much what we do in strength training translates to like the rest of your day, basically. Sure. Sure. And the rest of your life, basically. And it feels like, I guess like martial arts do to some people, you know, mm-hmm. or like, or just, just sports in general or things, anything people get really good at, I guess you could say where they get so good at it that they start to notice the principles of the thing that they're getting good at. They can use elsewhere. I like that. I like that description. Yeah. So Strength training truths, one of the first ones I think of is uh, progressive overload. And one of the reasons I think of that one is because I don't think people completely hear progressive overload a lot. Yeah. But in the real world, what that means to me is something like 
Well, let's talk about progressive overload first in the strength training world, and then I'll talk about the real world. What is progressive overload? Yeah, so progressive overload is the principle of training with a stimulus or a weight that you can do a certain amount of reps with, for example, or you can um, get into a good position with, with like good form, you know, for a couple times. And then as you get better with it, you progressively load that with um, either like a harder version or a heavier weight, you know, so you, you progress that movement into something that requires more skill um, to handle. Would you, would you say simply put progressive overload is just making an exercise a little bit harder? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit in, in a way that you're, that you're ready for, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and that's like the progressive part of it basically. And, and as a coach, that's kind of what we get paid. That's a big part of what we get paid for. Exactly. You know, is to figure out like what's that right what is that right amount a little bit you know like where are they on the uh on the path to getting better at something and then like where can we make that small step in the right direction and that we think they'll adapt to in a in a reasonable amount of time you know and then we can just keep keep on progressing it basically. Yep. exactly and and I feel like as as I even even as I say that you can kind of think about how that applies to your real life, like personal or even professional, where you just continuously challenge yourself, but um, you're taking on new responsibilities, kind of like new skills, yeah. right? Yeah, and you're you're figuring out like what's that right amount that I can take on and get better, and then like stick with it. And then what's that right amount after that, that I can take on and get better and then stick with it. And then on and on and on and on and on. And as you strength train, the longer you do that, the easier it is for you to figure out like, what is a appropriate progression, you know? And same thing with any other part of your life. The more you do that thing, the more likely you are to figure out, okay, what's the right amount of progression that I can do? And if you can't figure that out, you might not be, you may not be doing the thing that you, you may not be doing that thing well, you know, if that makes sense. Like you may not be doing it in a way that you're actually learning or gaining proficiency. If you can't progress, either that or you've peaked out. I would say you've gone as far as your ability allows you to go. So let's put, let me put that in an example. Right. And I, cause I love a little nuance of progressive overload. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that's our job as a coach to do that. Right. And so a lot of people think progressive overload, if they've heard about it, is just adding weight, right? Let's just add add weight every week. Okay. A a very simplified version of it might be oversimplified. Well, I'm saying, well, that's what I'm saying here. Just yeah. adding, adding weight is not, is not what we're doing. Like right. just adding weight every week. Sometimes it is, but that, that you need to look at a ton of other things. Right. So the, the same as, and that's a very nuanced thing with this progressive overload. And I think that same thing in life is, is true too, because you can't just take on more, take on yes. more, take on more at the same way. Right. 
I mean, because if you just keep on taking more, like, like, you know, you just don't have the time. You're going to peak out real quickly. You're going to peak out really quickly. Right. So you have to figure out how you're going to progress, not just doing the same thing over and over. Maybe you change the circumstances a little bit. Maybe you change how you approach it or anything like that. I'm just saying in life as well as, as, as in the, as in the weight room. So let's just take like a squat, for example, right? So someone's doing a, a squat. Um, we call them goblet squats a lot of times where you hold the weight in front of you and you squat down and then you stand up with it, okay? Yep. And if you're new to squatting, um, usually your technique is going to be the hardest part, you know, especially when you're trying to do it with a load. Um, so what you might start out with is you might start out squatting to like a chair, for example, right? And holding a load. And then what will happen is, as you get better with doing that, we think, okay, maybe we don't need the chair as much as that cue point. Yeah. And we can take that chair away. But then we notice, oh, we can't use the same amount of load as we were using before. Right. You know, because there's more resources being dedicated to the squat that the chair was helping with before. So we progress, we kind of like progress and regress at the same time, but we progress in a way that is getting us closer and closer to whatever our true goal is, you know, which would probably in this case be um, squatting without the chair um, with a weight that's close to your body weight. Right. And that's just like learning anything new. I mean, if you have a small business and you're a, you need to learn marketing, you don't know anything at the beginning. So right. like, and then, but then maybe you're, then you learn something new in marketing, but you go back to the beginning. And so it's, it's whenever you learn something new, I feel like it is a little bit of a regression and then, mm-hmm. and then getting to that progression point. So, right. Well, that's why I call it a learning curve. Right. Yes. Like you get, you learn something and then you kind of, in a way, drop down before you go back up basically. Cause there's, when you learn something in order to implement that thing that you learn, there's, there's an amount of energy, just generally speaking, that you have to devote to it. That, um, is more than you were using before when you already knew what you were doing. Right. Right. So when you take that progression, you have to understand that, it's going to be a little bit of both, but having kind of a good endpoint helps out a lot with that. And then we get into more strength training principles, basically, that yeah. translates to real life, you know? Right. So what, what do you want? Do you want to do another one? Or I, I can so you do one and then I'll do one more or and then I think we're good. I think we're going to have to have another series on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, so what's what's another one, for example? What's one that you think of? Well, my favorite one is, is, is from what I learned the most from strength training in my life uh, mm-hmm. is just consistency. Yeah. In strength training. Uh, I mean, so we talk, there's a lot of principles. I mean, we just talked about what we just talked about is a progressive overload is super important, but consistency is very important. Just doing right. something, whatever your program is like day in, day out or week in, week out, month in, month out, like staying consistent over a long time is just super important uh in 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 strength training mm-hmm. uh, and then obviously from what you what i just said you can probably see how that translates to real life yeah and and when you say a long time in terms of the um, even like strength training and real life like if we were to generalize for most people i would say at least a month you know 
for most people. At least a month is a good is a good kind of um, mark in my mind for a lot of people to be consistent with something. You know, to actually say like if I was to define someone being consistent with something, I would assume that they're doing it for at least a month. So just define defining consistency. Yeah, like for for at least a month, I would say. But but in lifelong consistent, I mean, if we're talking lifelong consistency, mm-hmm. I mean, what does that mean? I mean, like if you just do a workout for a month and then stop for three months, you're not going to be in shape anymore. You know, like right. so I think consistency is at different levels. Like you like you want to be consistent with your fitness all the time, but maybe mm-hmm. you want to be consistent with fixing your ankle for six weeks in a row, and right. if you, you don't do that for those six weeks that then then and say you do it for two weeks and then you stop for a month you might regress maybe a week and then have to re kind of start your steps back and forth so yeah and and so in life like when i first started strength training when and didn't know anything about it like in my early 20s Mm -hmm. uh and late teens i mean that helped me in real life because I mean, when I was failing at the gym, like, I mean, you could see the same things in life. Like if, if you're not consistent over a long period of time and that can be short, like a consistency could mean whatever it is to your act that you're doing. So consistent could mean, you know, doing something for two weeks because that's consistency for that challenge or whatever you're doing. Right. Yeah. It's very relative to the actual thing that you're trying to get better with, I would say. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, when I say a month, I'm being very general. Basically. Yeah. Like if I was to just, just randomly pick something to do. Yeah. Most of the time. Like, you, have you ever heard of those uh, phrases where it's like, it's not a habit until you've done it for 30 days or something like that. Sure. Or like 23.7 days. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it, but that's always like a moving target. A lot of times with people, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but the the fact remains that like <clears throat> you got to do something over and over a, a good amount of times, and and that's vague purposefully be to get better at something. You know, you very rarely is talent going to actually carry the whole boat for you. You know, like innate talent. You know, yeah. unless it's something that you're that you've been you've been almost training for in a parallel fashion, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like, like gymnasts sometimes are really strong in the gym right away, you know, because they built up this really uh, quality, um, like body weight strength. Oh yeah. Yeah. For example. And they, but they've been consistent with that over a long period of time. And then it translates into um strength right away but for most people unless you're doing something parallel to what you're trying to get good at you need to do that thing for a long enough time that your brain starts realizing like this is a priority and i, th- I think that's really what it comes down to you know yeah yeah I think uh, and that's why sure. consistency works so well yeah training 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 i mean that's why we do things over and over uh it's just to ingrain it into our mind i mean uh you know your brain has to match up with your movements uh i mean so you just have to practice things i mean that that's the basis of 
the human body, uh, whether it's mind or your physical, you know, prowess or whatever you're doing is just practice because you will, you know, you do have like these little skills. I know we're going off on a tangent or whatever, but we have these like little skills or whatever that we're just naturally good at. Mm -hmm. Is it natural or was that just because our parents, you know, raised us properly when we were like one, two, three, four years old, you know? Right. Or were we in an environment that actually um, reinforced that, you know, without us? And that's like a nice way to, it's a nice way to learn things without actually forcing it. Yeah. You know, but the, the fact remains that you need, you need to get in the reps somehow to get better with something. I mean, you don't go from crawling as a baby to walking by not crawling. I mean, you have to be consistent. That baby is consistent with their crawling every day for months until they can stand up. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and that's like the biggest proof of consistency is just watching a baby go from zero to two years old. They Mm -hmm. are, they are consistent and persistent, which I know is another thing we can talk about, but, uh, but that's just an interesting thing, man. And consistency was the best thing that I learned from strength training for sure. Yeah. And it's, I really like strength training. I mean, we're super biased with this, but I really like how strength training shows these principles and, and other ones we could talk about um, in a very, I don't know, like a very obvious way. And it might be obvious because I'm more of a kind of kinesthetic person, you know, like I like to experience things a lot more. Like that's how I learn a lot better. So if, if you're more of a experiential type learner, you know, I would say strength training is a really good, just overall mental strategy, you know, for, for improving your, your mental health. And I feel like this is one of the reasons why strength training tends to help people with their mental health. Yeah. You know, because you see, you see and you feel that experience as you're going through it when you stay true to these types of principles. Interesting. So it's like if you're going through a journey, like a real like lifelong journey. And usually those like usually those journeys that take a year, a couple of years are the things that really ingrain in you, kind of what we were just saying. Right. Yeah. That's right. Interesting. Like you, it, it really is an experience. Like the only thing that comes from, I know we like don't talk about movies or anything like that very often, but like in the movie 300 where he like sends his like nine year old kid off into the woods or whatever, like to do that experience. I yeah. feel like in the real, in like our, like, you know, world now where we're just living in cushy homes and stuff like that, like going through a transformation uh, at the gym or something like that is mm-hmm. the, the kind of like the, biggest experience like us as humans can can go through uh physically at at least and we really have to force it onto ourselves compared to back in the day you know thousands of years ago it was just natural right it was more of a requirement of of daily life you know yeah yeah versus now it's one of those things that you yeah you have to actually implement yourself consciously actually put into your life you know and inject into your life and when you go through that physical experience, like a transformation or really learning these principles, then like those get ingrained. And then those principles from strength training just adapt to the rest of your life from that experience. And that's why I think strength training is one of the biggest, most important things that somebody can go through. Right. Mm-hmm. So we only went through two of our of our list. I know we have a list of like 10 of these. I think we should do an, uh, another episode. We do a part two. Yeah, let's do a part two. I think we should do a part two of this one for sure. Yeah. 
So we'll, we'll update you on how things are going with our uh, with our training, how I'm recovering from being sick, how Josh's uh, shoulders and posture are doing with uh, the nine to five and the rest of his program. And then we'll go into a little bit more of our uh, strength training principles and how they how they translate to real life. All right. That sounds awesome. I love this topic. Sweet. Ditto. Right. Ditto. Talk to you guys later. See you, Mike. Deuces.